otherwise thank you so much for being here um thanks for remoting in and i know a lot of us are excited to hear what you have to say so no this is exciting i appreciate you having me um, glad i can chop it up with some of you guys I'm really looking forward to seeing if i can definitely answer some questions um especially at the end i think usually people get the most value when um you know it's kind of like personalized and you get to have a conversation so Hey everybody, so I know I don't do serious ads too often, but right now during COVID-19 there's a lot of things going on in the world of pharmacy and one of the big things that's happening is one of the organizations, NCPA, is actually trying to start a campaign called Fight for RX. It advocates for a variety of issues related to patient access. Basically, they're looking to create a significant base of student pharmacy engagement. I figured I'd try and share this information with you guys because I think it's fighting for a good cause. So basically, advocating for the right of a pharmacist to be recognized as a provider. The Facebook goes a lot more into detail. I'm gonna link it in the video in the show notes. The website is fight4rx for the number 4rx.org. Fight for RX is a national coalition of patients, caregivers, and pharmacists concerned with pharmacy benefit managers increasing patients' out-of-pocket costs and decreasing local access to medication. I don't have all the time to explain PBMs, but if you're a pharmacy student, you know this. You know this is a big deal. If you're a patient, this is costing you money. It's a really good cause. So anyway, go to their website, Fight for RX, and you can join on Facebook and support the cause. And I think. I think it's important too for pharmacists. I think this whole mini series, I'm trying to harp on the importance of using our social network and our skills to advocate, especially at a time right now during a crisis where we could have the most impact. Um, I think it's now more important than ever to actually join up and try and use social media to bring more attention to what pharmacists can do. And yeah, that's the end of the ad. You should sign up for the group and show your support or not. All right, back to the episode. Thanks, guys. This is overdose. How many, um, how many, like telecommunication um, interviews and stuff have you done? I know you're. I'm. Pro- I'm sure this is probably not stopping you. If anything, you're probably loving everyone being able to use uh, like Zoom and Skype and things like that to get things done. That's kind yes. of alley. So we, our companies normally works from home, like virtual. So we don't really have like a central office. So it hasn't really been a lot of change. Um, but I have been doing more of these where you know more since i guess more schools are forced to be like on this on these virtual things a lot of students have been reaching out and asking me to do some of these like uh meetings so um, this i've been doing more of but um, everything else like on my normal life business side has been pretty much the same nice that's awesome at least there wasn't that much of a transition i think our school did a really good job transitioning our classes really quickly um compared to some others i think it only took like a week or two for everything to go online so that was really Mm -hmm. smooth yeah that's interesting that's good it's definitely good to hear yeah. So, and ha- have your guys' like graduation and stuff like that been like delayed or impacted or? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, our graduation, I think, is just going to be, um, I'm pretty sure it's just going to be, it's, it's kind of all up in the air right now. Mm-hmm. Biggest thing is our rotations, uh, the P2s and stuff are all just canceled. I saw you were doing like virtual rotation options. Um, get in contact with my school. Maybe they'll, <laughs> maybe they'll, they'll, they'll take yeah. them on, but. Yeah, I've I've set up at least I think it's like fifteen schools now that I got. Wow, set up. Um, all in Florida or including? No, no, Florida? it's all the, so the, the oh. across the country. Um, I had a school from Hawaii reach out yesterday, actually. What? Yeah, that's kind of cool. That's um, pretty cool. Yeah, so it, it's it's pretty much across the country. Um, my my our priority because it was just so much. I didn't know how bad it was going to be. You know, when I first posted about that, but uh, the priority recently was just to get students that were um in jeopardy of graduating like for this year because yeah. that was like potentially gonna be a problem so um so that was like the priority but we got to see i wasn't in like we had 30 students start on a rotation on uh about two weeks ago so wow it's been uh it's been crazy i didn't expect to have like that many students so we, i had to like work through making sure i could scale that up um but uh yeah that, that was that was a quite quite the fun first couple weeks so nice well, that's, that's actually a good turnout too. And that's, so are you going to be, I guess, are you going to be offering um, like multiple, like block one, block two, um, or is it just kind of like the virtual APPE is going to last for like six weeks or however long, and then that's it? Or how's that going to run? So primarily it's been for the APPEs where it's anywhere between four to six months a block. And then oh, but we plan to have students year round. Got it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Really cool. 
Yeah. So, so it's, sure. not, it's not like the, it's not like a six month block though. Like it's like just an elect, it's an elective rotation. So like they, they can only get one type of uh, thing marked off with us. I see what you're saying. That's still really cool though. I'm sure schools are very happy that you <laughs> were able to get that going for them, especially for people who are struggling to graduate. A lot yeah. of, a lot of people were worried. I think our school at first, they, they made it like elective to sign up to do your rotation on site. So they were mm -hmm. like, it's the option, but they didn't have an alternative when they offer that. So I think most people signed up and then individual sites were not taking students, but some were. And I think now they've transitioned to the school is like offering um, kind of like eight hours of representative AVPE work that I think falls within the accreditation, like it'll work, but it's, I've heard it's just a lot of, a lot of it is kind of just to fill the eight hours and it's not necessarily based on student feedback. They're saying it's not as meaningful, but you know, that's, that's probably just on an individual basis. Overall, I think they did a good job. So yeah, it'll be good. Let me see if I can put my, uh, let me see how much this allows me to put my, like in my name, I'm going to try to put like my Twitter handle and see if that works. Do it, man. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure everybody in here is already following you. I'm sure everybody in here is already following you. I sent out one of your memes in the email to the, to the members. It was the, um, and this is scheduled till 1250 or one. Um, it can be, our classes run over 1250. So I think you're also allowed to run over. Oh, okay. Um, but it's, it's really up to you. Um, and it, okay. it'll probably base, be based on like how many questions we get to. Um, okay, cool. So yeah, totally. I think there's like 11 people on, which is great. I, I like a small group it means we can probably really dive into a lot of things. So, um, so I'll go ahead and, uh, I'll go ahead and get started. That's okay with you. Yeah, go for it. All right. So, um, hello everyone. My name is Richard Waith. I'm excited to uh, meet you all. I'm going to be kind of talking a little bit first about, um, just background about myself. Uh, and then we'll go into like technology where pharmacy is going some perspective conversations, and then uh, a little bit about personal branding at the end. And um, but what I really want to do, just like you might have heard, like, I really want to try to answer questions, um, and really have like a conversation answering specific things that you guys might be concerned about, um, or want to learn more about, because I think that's where you'll get the most value out of out of my time and, and the conversation with me. Um, but uh, and you know, a lot of the stuff that I talk about initially, is stuff that you can probably also hear on RX radio. Um, but you can't really the podcast I have, but you can't really ask your questions there. So um, that's why I'd really like to see if we can, I can an answer as many questions as possible here. Uh, so a little bit of background about myself. Um, I'm from Miami, Florida. Um, this is where I, I was raised. Uh, I went to my undergrad here down in FIU. I went to UF for pharmacy school. Um, and after pharmacy school, I came right back to Miami. You can see the background. The weather's pretty nice. It's 83 right now. It's a little hot, but, um, but it's beautiful here. Um, I really started to get my footing in my career uh, early on in pharmacy school with uh, Target Pharmacy. I was actually an intern with them um, right after my, my uh, first year of pharmacy school. And then uh, I got really involved on campus, uh, president of PLS, um, uh, vice regent of Kappasai, uh, president of my class for a couple of years. So I was fairly involved on campus. Um, and then around my, my P3 year uh, startup company that created medication education videos, came to our school looking for interns to work for them. And um, I was like, yeah, I'll do that. That sounds great. And you tell me I can work from home and write these um, scripts for these videos and make money on my own time. I'll do that. So I um, signed up for that, did that for a couple of years. And um, after, after, right out of pharmacy school, I went straight into community pharmacy. It was something I was just really passionate about. And uh, I worked again for Target Pharmacy right out, the, right out the gate. They got bought out by CVS. I was part of that transition. And then I went to uh, Publix Pharmacy as my previous, um, my last employer before my current role. During that time, um, I realized like things were really changing in pharmacy and I wanted to learn, I, I felt like I didn't know a lot about what was going on outside of just regular community pharmacy. And I started realizing I was really passionate about patient engagement. Um, I actually started an MTM company. I was doing private MTM consultations. Uh, and then I also started RX Radio, the podcast. And um, it was really just to get like, really explore conversations and explore different avenues that people are practicing pharmacy. And the podcast was a really good way to do that for me. Um, so I've been doing that for a couple of years. And during that time, um, about two years ago, the founders of that startup company that I worked for in school um, reached back out to me 
and asked if I wanted to continue running the operations of the company as president. And I was like, yep, again, I will, I will definitely do that. Um, and that company is called VUCA Health, and that's my current role now. We create medication education videos, and we license those videos out to health systems, uh, pharmacies, specialty pharmacies, that kind of thing. So um, it's, been, it's been a really fun, interesting career and, uh, so far, and I feel like I'm just getting started. But um, I've learned so much. I've gotten exposed to a lot of different things, and um, really allows me to have some of these conversations with you all. And one thing that's really interesting from a, from a perspective standpoint to think about, and this is something that like I, I maybe realized like a year ago, just thinking about where pharmacy is in, in, in the industry and how we're just, the, our careers are just constantly changing. And then I started to realize, and I did some research and I said, okay, when was, when was a PharmD first given out and when was a MD first given out, like a, like a physician? Like when did they first start doing their, um, having their role in healthcare? And it was something like 1950 was when we first gave out the first like PharmD or the first PharmD program started in 1950, not in relatively speaking, not super long ago. If you compare that to an MD, a physician, they got the first MD was like in 1780, like, like hundreds of years ago. And if you think about that, it's interesting because they've had hundreds of years to find like, like really hone in on where, what practice they're doing in healthcare we've as a doctor pharmacy just started that in 1950 so it's really interesting to think about how we're like all pioneers of pharmacy right now like a hundred years from now you look at what we're in 2020 so what's 100 from 2020 21 20 21 20 whatever anyway that sounds right that sounds uh, right (laughs) (laughs) someone check my math anyway um yeah i mean a hundred years from now you know we're gonna look back at around like this time and realize that like pharmacy was still just getting started. Like we're all pioneers in figuring out our role in healthcare. Um, you know, if you look a hundred years prior, like the early 1900s, like the druggists, they were called, they weren't even doctors of pharmacy, the druggists, they were making, they were just making the, um, the medications like on spot, right? Like that, that to now us is what we know as compounding pharmacy, which is a smaller part of what we do. Now all the medications are basically mass produced and we, we dispense them. If you look forward a hundred years from now, people are going to look back like, wow, it's kind of weird that pharmacists used to hand people medications. And like, it's kind of weird that pharmacists used to count the pills and then put them in the bottle and then hand it to the patient. Like, we're going to look back at a time like this and think like, this was crazy, especially with all the technologies that are coming out. Um, So that's really interesting to me. And um, because of the fact that we're all pioneers in this, we have to be reminded that things are just going to constantly evolve and change as we start to really hone in on what we do, um, especially as technology starts to advance. And, you know, I think about technologies like the Alexa device, which I have very handily here that helps me like spell things and tell me about the weather. Alexa devices is one of the main technologies of the future that I think um, voice technologies as a whole is going to be very impactful, similar to how the iPhone was as impactful as it was. I think voice technologies are going to be that as well. Um, you know, we, we use it now today, like an Alexa device, again, like to help you spell something, to play a song. But what's, hap- what's also happening now that a lot of people don't know about is that pharmacies, uh, especially large corporations, are, are developing applications on the back of these devices to engage their patients about their healthcare. So right now, there's a couple of pharmacies, there's actually beta testing of this. And I think it's live in some stores where people can say, Hey, Alexa, please refill my prescription number one, two, three, four, five. And then that prescription will get filled on the back end. At some point, people are going to be able to say, Hey, Alexa, tell me about um, that inhaler that I just picked up. Like, I want to learn more about it. And the Alexa is going to give it information. The reason I bring this up is because these, although these are machines and these are, te- these are this is technology, these experiences are all created by, by actual people on the back end. And I think those people that are creating that have to be pharmacists. Like, I don't know of a better healthcare professional that is better to design a conversational experience with a patient about their medications. Like, I don't understand how it makes sense that anyone else but a pharmacist would be in charge of that. And as you know, we hear about the doom and gloom of the economy and, and especially in pharmacy with closures and things like that, we also, what we're not seeing is all these other opportunities on the other end of it that we can be a part of um, because of this, we're pioneers um, in, our, in our roles. And um, 
And then you look at things like, you know, the robotics and how robotics are taking over dispensing. Uh, I used to work for um, a pharmacy that had a central fill pharmacy. It was a huge warehouse that had like these robots in there that had like, it looked like a car manufacturer's plant that these robots were literally filling prescriptions way faster um, than regular technicians or pharmacies would and probably way more accurately. And a lot of times we get scared of these types of things because we think that it is, you know, going to be um, taking our, taking our roles, taking our jobs. But what we don't realize is we didn't go to school. We don't go to pharmacy school to learn how to dispense medications. That's just not what we do. Um, and I don't understand the, the need to couple dispensing medications with being a pharmacist. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, and I think that once we can really embrace that and once we can really know that, look, our roles and our importance in healthcare has nothing to do with dispensing of medications. It really frees us and allows us to really set our footing and have a real place in healthcare that's valuable. Um, and, you know, I think you even look at verification, um, a, a large part, I'm not sure, you know, how many people work in a pharmacy, especially in a community pharmacy, but a main part of a pharmacist's role is verifying prescriptions. And what's verifying a prescription? Uh, there's a clinical verification. Um, and then there's a, a data verification, making sure like, the uh, prescription that was entered matches the prescription on the label that goes out to the patient. Now that second part where you're just, you're literally just matching words. You're saying, does this say lisinopril 20? Does this say lisinopril 20? Does this say once a day? Does this say once a day? That is such a, like a non-essential role for a pharmacist. If you really think about the mechanics of that, you're just matching words. At some point, technology is going to be able to do that for us at a much higher rate and much more accurately. So we have to realize, we have to start to think about the things that we're, we're currently doing now that has nothing to do with why we went to pharmacy school and focus on things like that initial verification. That's a clinical verification. That's the stuff that we should be really focused on um, and enhance MTM services and all these other things versus that dispensing role versus that verification role where you're just matching words. So um, I think having a paradigm shift of those things really frees us up to really allow us to like fly and like be real, like with what we want to do with our careers. And um, that really kind of leads me to the personal branding part of that and why that's important because we're pioneers of pharmacy right now. I think it's important for us to really realize that if we can find something that we're really passionate about that we love to do um, and mix that with healthcare, that's going to really allow you to like, have a really great, happy, successful career. Um, because I think there's one thing to realize is a lot of times the amount of money that you make in your career um, and ends up not translating over to happiness or having a good career. Um, but if you're doing something you're passionate about, like whether you're making money or not, you're going to have a good, happy career. And I think the way to do that is to one, start like, like doing some self-reflection and really starting to, as you go through pharmacy school, see what really like piques your interest and try to hone into that, like hone in on that and, and realize that like it's, it's peaking your interest probably for a reason. Uh, and then starting to build a brand around that for yourself. And um, what I mean by brand is to me, there's two types of branding. Um, there's like person to person branding, which is networking. And then there's um, branding, creating content, which is um, networking with on digital platforms and um, creating content on social media and just making a name for yourself that people don't actually interact with you, but they interact with your content. Um, on some form of digital media. So um, creating content, it could be video, audio, um, written. And I think that really is just another self-reflection thing to think about. Are you good at writing? Or are you not good at writing? Um, are you good on video? Do you hate video? Um, would you rather just speak and have a podcast? Cool. So I think it's realizing like, what are those things that you can, that you're good at that you would want to do to build a brand for yourself? And on, on the other side of it, which is what I would focus primarily in school in is the person to person networking, which is building relationships with people, putting yourself in as many situations as possible that allows you to meet um, or build relationships with other people. And that's through being part of organizations. That's through going to um, local conferences, regional conferences, national conferences, and just always saying yes to those things. Almost everything that I, I think like did in pharmacy school, like that presented me the opportunity and I could do it either whether it be because I can afford it or I had time and I didn't like really jeopardize something else, I would say yes to it. Like I was the yes man. Do you want to be in this organization? Yes. 
Do you want to go to this um, event uh, next weekend on Saturday? Yes. Do you want to do? Yeah. Like it was yes to everything. And then at some point it just started to snowball um, into just all these different opportunities to meet people and build relationships with people. I'm six years out of school and I'm still like getting business opportunities for the company that I work for because of a one particular event I went to my third year of pharmacy school that I said yes to. So these things like really snowball and trickle into, um, into a lot of success, I think in the future. And I think in pharmacy school, really focus on that person to person side of your personal brand um, because creating content takes a lot of time and you're in pharmacy school and there's a lot already going on. So I, I, I think it's, it's unfortunate. A lot of people try to build and create a lot of content in pharmacy school and it's very difficult to do that. And if you do end up wanting to say like, I'm just going to do it anyway, just don't beat yourself up about it. Like just do what you can, but really focus on that, that person to person branding. Um, and I think if, once you graduate, then you can start creating the content and letting the people that you already did the person to person branding with, they can start seeing the content that you create and, um, and you start building a brand for yourself that way. And then what that ends up leading to is you have these stepping stones. So sometimes, you know, residencies are great, obviously, but sometimes you don't get a residency. Like, I think it's like a 50, 50 chance that you'll match even. So sometimes the way your ideal career works towards is you have these stepping stones. So sometimes you end up working staff at a hospital, but you've over time started building a brand for yourself about being super passionate about respiratory therapies. And then all of a sudden, even though you've been working staff for two, two or three years, by your third year, you get BCPS certified. And then that health system actually wants to open up a respiratory therapy clinic. And then who do they know that is super passionate about respiratory therapies because they've been building brand for the last three years um, on it. They're going to immediately go to you to ask you how to do that, what to do. Maybe you'll lead it and, and you're off on your way into like a career that you're super passionate about. So that's kind of how things usually end up snowballing. Um, and obviously that's just one example that could happen across the board with anything. For me, it was patient engagement um, and led me to where I'm at now. So um, with that, uh, again, thank you guys so much for your time. Um, I really want to see how much questions I can ask. I know it's 1220, so we have a lot of time. I plan to be on this uh, meeting with you guys until one till one o'clock. So, um, you know, I really would want to answer as many questions as possible. If you want to either jump in the conversation or put it in the chat box, I would be happy to answer as many questions as possible. But thank you guys so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for saying all of that, Richie. Honestly, there's so much good information in there that I felt like was very well summarized, especially especially the part when you were saying, um, if you do decide to be making content, content while in pharmacy school, um, obviously that's something that I'm doing um, and not beating yourself up about it if you can't necessarily like get a good schedule or put out everything that you want because understandably your priority is pharmacy school. Like, But that doesn't mean that should stop you from pursuing the things that you're passionate about either. And it's also, I mean, it's not hard to quickly establish like that's something that you're interested in doing once you do start. So I think it's super important. Yeah. No, yeah, you're right, man. I mean, it's, and I get it. You know, everyone wants to build their brands and, you know, everyone sees other people on Instagram and flexing and doing all this stuff. But at the end of the day, it's just like, you know, you, you got to realize that you can only control what you can control and um, creating content shouldn't be a priority. At, at, at the time that you're in pharmacy school. So, all right. So let's see the first question in the chat box. What was the biggest adjustment for you from a student to pharmacist? The biggest adjustment for me from student to pharmacist was realizing that I was the, uh, like I was like the last line of defense. Like I was the decision maker of someone's like either someone's health um, or a business decision, like, you know, because I had to schedule a technician differently, or I had to talk to a particular technician about something. Um, that's a feeling that people can try to explain to you, but you'll never really know the feeling until you get there. So you'll, and, 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 and with that being said, you'll never feel ready, right? whether it's going to be because you're going on rotations, whether it's going to be because you're, you're going into a residency or whether it be because you're going to start your first, you know, right when you graduate your, and you get licensed your first day as an actual pharmacist, like in the community, you will never feel ready. Like you'll never feel actually like, Oh yeah, I'm ready to do this. You, you will not feel that way. So I want to like nip that in the bud, like real fast. Um, and 
the biggest feeling though, like the adjustment was for knowing and understanding I'm never going to feel ready, but I have to be confident in, in my knowledge and in what I, and like basically all that I've done through pharmacy school, I have to be confident enough to make a decision. So that to me was a very difficult transition from student to pharmacist because that feeling isn't there until your first day by yourself and you're the last line of defense in terms of uh, a clinical decision for something. Um, so that was like the biggest adjustment for me. So Sierra, good, good question. Good, good, good way to start it off. All right. Next question, which social media platform do you think pharmacy could best take advantage of? Um, so that's a great question. Um, if I had to pick one, I would pick Twitter because I think I, Twitter is my favorite platform. And I think the ability to, the thing about Twitter is that like, it's all about just conversations, I think. And I think that's like, what's really important in pharmacy. Um, I didn't say LinkedIn because I feel like LinkedIn is like super fluffy right now with like the amount of um, attention it's getting. Um, Facebook's like on the back end of being popular. Um, Instagram is tricky because it's like really heavily focused on pictures. So I think, and, but you know, Twitter can have pictures as well. So I would say Twitter. Um, but you know, these, these platforms have its, have its cycles, like it goes up and down. So who knows, like in, by the time you graduate, like it could be LinkedIn is actually like where you really need to be or else like you're nothing. So, um, for me, it's more about learning about and being on all the different platforms. So if you look at all my social media, like I'm on every single platform and I'm creating content for all of them. So, um, and then I don't, and I'm always looking to see what's going to be the next platform to come because I don't know in the next two years, like I'm actually starting to make TikToks now, like now there's no real healthcare stuff on TikTok, but like at some point, who knows, like maybe it turns into like, you know, the next place where healthcare professionals are really creating like, you know, content and knowledge and things like that. And, um, I want to be ready to be on that platform. So. All right, next one is, do, oh, it's David, man, that's you. <laughs> do you. Do you think that if more pharmacy students, professionals start creating content, it will create change how other professionals in the public get to know, verify prescription? Yeah, so that's a, that's a very interesting question because the thing about pharmacy is that, and just like our perception to the world, everything is marketing and branding, everything whether it's the, the clothing you're shopping for, whether it's the dentist you're looking at, whether it's the pharmacist, the physician, every single thing in the world that people think, do, and talk about are about marketing and branding. And pharmacists have done a very poor job as a whole, like as a, as a whole industry at marketing ourselves and branding ourselves at, as to what we really are. And if you look at my community, like my, my little, I have a couple thousand people on Facebook, just, and I say Facebook because Facebook is primarily like my high school friends and college friends and friends like all before pharmacy school. Most of them had no idea about like what pharmacists do, but I started creating a lot of content for, to like, um, at, at the time that I was like, uh, just becoming a, um, like just going out into pharmacy and doing my, my private MTM stuff. I was creating a lot of content for patients, like for, for the general public. And now all of the people that like, that's in my little circle there on Facebook, like know that a pharmacist does way more than just counting pills. Like, and it's not even a thought for them that that's all they do. Like I, a lot of people are coming to me for all sorts of things that they would have never done usually um, because of the content and the branding that I did for myself as a pharmacist. So I, I would hope that that would scale across the country um, because that's really how that change happens. Like all the change happens because of branding and marketing, which is usually the result of creating good content for ourselves. So it's a really good question. All right, Michael. Hey, Michael. Uh, we started talking about quality measures like Medicare star ratings. In your opinion, do you see something similar being applied to pharmacists during our careers? Do you think that could be a catalyst for us moving away from counting pills? Yeah, so um, measures the reason why quality measures is important is because it helps us go towards a um, like a, a more performance based um, healthcare outcomes based sort of like payment model. Um, I do think that. And so I'm not sure. To, I'm not sure too, if what you mean by do I see something similar to that being applied to pharmacists, if you can be a little bit more clear, because I was actually thinking you were just talking about star ratings, but it sounds like you might be talking about something else. 
Can you be a little bit more, can you like uh, elaborate a little bit more on your question, Michael? I don't know if maybe you want to turn your mic off and maybe like have a conversation about it might be better, but it's up to you. Or if you want to just type it out, completely fine with me. <laughs> hey, sorry, I know the question was kind of long. Um, so in our leadership class, we were basically just mentioning how uh, the star ratings were kind of applied to just the, the pharmacies and not to the actual pharmacists themselves. Mm. So I guess I was wondering if you had like an idea for specific performance metrics that would be applied to pharmacists in the future. Yeah, so that, that's an interesting question. Um, so in terms of if quality measures were placed on pharmacists themselves, uh, it's kind of already happening now um, in a small set of uh, group of pharmacists where there's a company called Aspen RX Health that has, uh, they basically, it's like an Uber model for MTM services where pharmacists can perform MTM services like from their home. Uh, and what the reason I bring that up is because the patients can actually rate the pharmacists. Um, so similar to how like you would rate a driver on Uber, like the patients can do that for pharmacists. Um, and it really, and they can rate it dependent on different things. Like was a pharmacist nice? Like were they informative? Um, you know, were they knowledgeable? Um, so I do think that that's going to be something that depending on the type of models that we work through is going to be something that is impactful. And I, I'm for it. Like, I, I think, you know, similar to an Uber driver, I think that's important to have. Like, I want to know that my Uber driver is like not, if he has a two star, I'm probably not going to want to drive with him, you know? And I think, and, and if he has a two star for consistently for six months, like he probably shouldn't be driving Uber. And I think that is a, I personally, I'm a very market driven, like let things play out the way, you know, that they should be. Like, I think good people should do well and bad people should figure out something, what they're doing wrong and do something differently. So for me, I think that's a great thing for our career, but with any sort of measure, even we see that with outcomes, um, one, it starts to, people start to try to game it, which becomes a problem, um, you know, and try to cheat the system. So if we do have that sort of like thing in place, I would just want whoever's designing it to be really thoughtful and preventing it from being gamed because a lot of people game Medicare star ratings now, like the amount of like fraud that happens in um, MTM submissions and things like that, like it's real. And um, I'd want to see how we can potentially, if we do something like that, set it up where it's really genuine and not something that people just try to game and try to check a box. So, um, but good question. I hope that answered it. Here, uh, Richie, I got another one. So when you first started creating content, um, was there any like negatives to it? Like what were, what were some things or challenges that you faced initially when you started first putting out patient specific content? Yeah. So the, um, so it's a great question. So the question was, um, you know, what barriers or problems that I see when I first initially started creating content? Um, the hardest thing for me when I first started was like, I was never someone that was like, like I had like social media accounts and things like that, but I was never posting content, like to build a brand for myself. Like that wasn't never like my, you know, thought process, whatever. So when I first started, I remember being like fairly terrified. I was like, what, like people are going to like, what if people don't like it? People think it's bad. Like I was fairly concerned about that. And that was a hurdle that I had to get over, but I, it was actually the biggest hurdle. Like me realizing that getting to a point where I don't care what people like once my intent is good, like, and the things that I say is like, is something that I think is important is good. I just can't be worried about what people are going to say because at scale, at some point there's going to be people that don't like the things that you put out, like the content. Um, one thing though, that I made clear, like very, very clear to myself early on was that like, I need to stay away from the polarization of uh, like politics and things like that. So I was extremely cognizant of what I would post in terms of like politics. So when I first started out, it was mostly like, you know, it was healthcare stuff, which is easy. When I say healthcare, it was things for patients, like telling them about their, their asthma medications, telling them about why, um, you know, they should avoid um, NSAIDs. So that is easy to be like not um, political. But as I started like developing my career, and started creating content for professionals, uh, that became a little bit more difficult to do. And I started trying to do like entertainment with the memes and stuff like that on RX Radio. 
So that's where politics and like people that are sensitive to certain things can become, um, can become a problem. So for me, the a hard thing for me was to like, try to see how can I really make sure I do not post anything. Like if you even go to RX radio, you look at all the memes, like you'll, you'll probably maybe find us maybe one post. That's like a slight hint to being like political. But other than that, like there's nothing in there that like has like politics. So just trying to figure out like what line to make sure I don't cross in terms of either triggering people or making sure that people were not like it wasn't controversial um, or um, like around politics. That was a thing that was hard for me. But because it's so rampant on things like Twitter and like some of these other things, I was actually able to go and look at like, what are people getting crap for? You know, like what are what are people like being like, you know, kind of dragged for in terms of the things that they post. And I would just learn from that and realize like, okay, you can't post about that. Okay. Don't post about that. Don't say that, you know? So like I was very observant in realizing like what people were not like what people were responding poorly to. So um, that was like some legitimate um, struggles and barriers for me. All right. So let's see another question on here. Victoria, how's it going? What are your suggestions for individuals who are interested in creating pharmacy related content, but not sure how to start? So the, in terms of starting, I think the first thing you need to do is like say like, what do you want to talk about? Right. That's like step number one is figure out one, do you have the, that thing that has caught your eye, like that potential subject or disease state or drug class or something that caught your eye um, or piqued your interest? And then if you don't have that, you can start just picking something random and trying to explore and see if you like it and, and learning about it and then creating content on it. Um, I think the easiest ways to start creating content is on Twitter because again, Twitter, you can just go on and put a tweet like, I just learned about inhalers today. And like, that's the tweet, like, that's it. Right. Um, and then that's like, you know, then you just start to like build off of that. Uh, the second thing that I think is great to create content on and it's easy is medium. Um, so I created a, a, a medium article about how to create, how to write medium articles. And it's actually really easy to do. And it's a way to create professionally looking content pieces um, by just like putting a picture and typing in words. Um, so I'll put that link um, in the chat box for you guys to have access to it. But um, I, ho I hope that's helpful, Victoria. But if, if you want me to like dig a little deeper, if you have a more specific question, I'd be happy to um, jump a little bit more into that. And uh, Richie, if there's any like resources or anything else like that, that you really want um, like people to get a hold of, um, I can compile them in an email and send them out to people. Like the Medium link would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, but if there's any other like, I mean, we could link some of your articles too, if you want that you've written about. Um, creating content and some of the stuff that you also have on your, your website that I think that I found especially helpful when I first started to, um, but totally up to you. Yeah. I just, I just posted it in the, uh, in the chat box there about the medium article. Perfect. Um, but yeah, anything else that you feel like you can just search through my medium thing and just look at all the articles I wrote. I don't mind what you share nice. that's on there. Um, all right. So let's see, Kayla, how's it going? Uh, if one wanted to create political content and commentary, what suggestions would you have for them in terms of remaining professional? Yeah. So, so here's the thing about, about that is one thing I do want to be clear on is that I don't think no one should post about like political things because I think it's, it's important to people like to, if they, if they feel passionate about something and they want to make a like, create change, I think it's important for you to talk about those things. So I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to discourage against that. It just wasn't something for me because it what like it wasn't something that I wanted to create content around. Um, now, in the in the sense that you do want to do that, um, you have to re you just have to realize that there's really no way around the polarization that's currently like in place. Like it just we just have to be in full acceptance of that. Like the way that things are now is if you post something saying that you are for or against something that's in politics, you're going to have people that judge you. You're going to have people that don't care about like what you actually know or what the facts are and that people are going, and that's on both sides of it. Um, because I think there's a lot of things, you know, from literally both sides that people are just like, 
either taking out of context or not knowing like the full facts about, um, and then immediately start judging. Um, I have really close friends that are, you know, people that are on, you know, one side of the aisle and have really close friends that are people on the other side of the aisle. And they both have like, they both genuinely like believe what they believe in. And um, what you have to realize is that there's no escaping that. And you just have to be ready for it. Um, that, that's the only thing I, I think I can say is that like, you just have to be full accepting and knowing that that's going to come. But in your, in your responses and the things that either you post or, um, or you're responding to, you just have to be as non-judgmental as possible and, and without making as many assumptions as possible. Because a lot of the things that occur poorly is that people are, are making judgments and like, like, um, preconcept, like preconceptions, um, and just like assuming a lot of different things. And I think that's where the problems come in. So just making sure that you're not making assumptions and you're not, you know, judging people, the people that are opposing to you or saying the negative things, um, you know, having empathy for them and empathy for whatever position that they might be in um, for, for the, whatever reasons they believe in, whatever they believe in. Uh, if you can do those things, I think that's probably the best advice that I can, that I think I can give for someone that actually wants to post about like political things. I hope that's helpful. That's funny. <laughs> All right, so um, to be anonymous and put out content or not to be, it sounds like being anonymous would avoid a lot of these possible hurdles, posting things you're passionate about. Yeah, I mean, and I think to be anonymous or not to be anonymous, I think that's up to you because you have to realize if you wanna be anonymous, you can't really build a brand for yourself. Like you can build an anonymous brand, um, but it doesn't really lead to like a whole lot. Like for the most part, I mean, there's, there's, I'm sure there's rare cases that, you know, someone can point out and say, well, this person's anonymous and they did all this great stuff. In general, if you have an anonymous brand, you're not going to like, you're not going to be able to do a lot of things beyond posting anything you want to post. Um, with that being said, if you want an outlet, if you just want an outlet because you like, you just want to get stuff off your chest and be able to comment and say certain things. And I think hundred percent being anonymous is ideal for that. It's a great way to do that. It's a great way to not worry about anything. Um, I know plenty, I have plenty of people that like, I know them personally and I know what their, what their, um, what their anonymous accounts are. And I can see why there's a difference there. And I can see that it's, it's an outlet for them and they really enjoy it. Um, so I, I think it's really a personal thing, a personal preference as to like, what, what is the point of, of the content you're creating? Um, if it's just to be an outlet and, and you know that there's ramifications, be anonymous. Um, if you want to build a personal brand and actually, you know, enhance your career using that brand. Um, you, you, it's not going to make sense for you to be anonymous. Tell David, tell your roommate, man, this is really important and he needs to come and join in and like stop the music. <laughs> I think, I, I don't know how well that'll go over. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> going to break his songs. Oh man. I'll tell him to join. I'll send him the zoom link. Be like, Hey, <laughs> while you're doing that. I was actually going to ask another question. Um, so you i know you talk about technologies like growing influence on like pharmacy practice um i saw you posted something about um i'm sure this is like well into the future but it's like a virtual local network that people are i i, I didn't quite understand how it worked through the post um do you know what i'm talking about it's like the virtual rotation uh no 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 it's like a it was something you posted for the pharmacy informatics academy about like how someone would stand close to like a computer and then it would like pick up the signal of oh yeah yeah could you go more into that or what because that was just very interesting and i didn't i wanted to know more about that yeah so that was a so i'm not like a, an informatics specialist um yeah so that that post that we created was created by a student that's on a rotation now so oh okay people so anything that you all the stuff that you're seeing primarily right now and posted by vuca health um is all stuff that students are creating as a part of their rotation um, but yeah, so I, I think it was like a band network and it was basically like detailing out, uh, from an, from a technology perspective, uh, what the type of like information that's transferred, um, when someone's like at a particular, like wearing a particular device or at a particular location, 
it was just kind of detailing out like what information is picked up, which can allow like a system to like either analyze or do something with. Um, but I think it was like a, it was like a, I forgot what the term was, but I know it was a BAN network, but go to VUCA health on Instagram and you'll see the picture <laughs> of it. If you want to learn more about it. Gotcha. Um, what is like the next piece of technology that will change some sort of important process in pharmacy? I know I remember seeing something about, um, that you posted about like x-ray programming being able to better pick up fractures compared to like actual doctors do you see like what's like the next thing that might change a major process in pharmacy technology wise so one of the things that people probably don't know about now is that there's a uh so i've actually i was actually fortunate to tour a um a pill pack facility um a couple years ago which i don't know what they're using now in terms of technology but what I saw there was they had, and, and why their, their pharmacies are so efficient um, is because they have a huge, like what looks like a really big printer that all those little individual packets that PillPack have are fed through. And they're fed, what, it, what that printer thing is though, it's, it's an imaging device that captures a very high quality image of that pill that will analyze the pill to see if that's the right pill that's supposed to be in that package. So, this was very similar to the thing I was talking about earlier where pharmacists are verifying like the data entry on one end and seeing that it was accurate for the script on the other. This is doing that for the product verification. Um, and the, so there is a pharmacist there though, um, because there is a percentage of error that happens, but what the, the, but that error, the system can pick it up like the, that computer. I don't even know what it's called, but that imaging thing can pick it up. And what happens is when it, let's say it's scanning like a hundred packages, two packages will be marked red to say there's a problem here. And that's when a pharmacist then comes in to like figure out like what the problem is. Like, you know, is that a, a computer error or was there an actual error? We need to fix that packet. So um, that at scale is probably something that's going to be revolutionary to like workflow. Um, that imaging thing. I don't know if that exists yet. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it does because I, to me, it's such trivial technology in 2020 that I'm assuming that's there, but it's not, it doesn't exist now that I know of that people are actively like implementing. That's going to be huge. Um, and then voice, I think even voice in a pharmacy. So <clears throat> for example, like if I'm in a pharmacy and our pharmacy is using a will call bin system, that's like, um, that has like some, some of these will call bin systems now have like lights that it's attached to like all the different medications in the will call. And it basically allows farm like people to like go pick up something much easier or when they need to do return to stock, everything is the whole will call looks um, red. And then when you hit the return to stock button on the computer, every like the ones that need to be returned to stock turn green and then you can just go grab it and whatever. So it makes it easier. A, that's already existing in pharmacies. A step up from that is, is like voice technologies. So like, you know, I'm using Alexa here, but like, why can't I be in my pharmacy and say, Hey, run the, um, you know, Hey, pharmacy system, run my RTS report. And then all of a sudden everything turns green, ready for me to go pick up. Like the amount of work that that just made way more efficient is, you know, it's probably going to happen in the future. I don't think it exists now, but, um, that like voice technologies and, and those like imaging things, I think are the two things that are really going to be impactful for everything in our, whether that be for patients or, um, from a pharmacy perspective. You have an Alexa app. Yeah. So I built, <laughs> so I built an Alexa, um, app not too long. Well, it was like actually probably like three years ago. I was really just trying to like learn about it and figure it out. Um, I, I haven't like updated that app in years. Um, it was called Fredbot, like pH, P-H-R-E-D bot. And it was basically like a way to like learn the top 200 drugs on there. Um, but uh, yeah, but it's not, it's not my greatest work, but it's definitely still live on the um, Alexa store. So if anyone wants to enable that and humor themselves. I also, I also created a bot that's not a healthcare related bot, but it, it was called like boo that man or something like that. And you can basically like say, Hey Alexa, boo that man. And then Alexa just be like, boo. <laughs> I think that that might be live at some point. I got to figure that out. Yeah, that needs to go live. <laughs> let me, let me see if I, let me, let me see if I actually have it live. Let me move my mic real quick. Oh my gosh.
if people don't use that um, top 200 one, I know, I know that'll be one of the most downloaded. <laughs> okay. Let me see Here's no. Echo. Yeah, I, f I forgot. I forgot what it was called, but it's it's on there somewhere. It's something boo that something. I gotta find it now. I'm really curious. Yeah, I think there's probably now. I haven't looked in a while, but there's probably now like a bunch of different apps that are um, available for like help with, um, you know, like learning top 200 and stuff like that. But I'm sure. I think I I did build one of the first ones, um, if not like one of the first five of them. But there's probably a bunch of them on there now, though. All right, so I got nine minutes left. Um, anyone else have any other questions that they want to put in the chat box? Um, be happy to answer as many things as possible as we can while, while, while we have the time here. So I'm also available, as I mentioned, um, on all social media platforms. So feel free to just search my name. Um, you should be able to connect with me, whether it be on uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, or Twitter. Um, I'd be happy to connect and answer any questions there as well. Um, I do have a book also that's on Amazon. It's called First Time Pharmacist. It's mostly for people that are going into um, or, or may work in community at some point. Um, it's a pretty, it's a, it's a short book, but it's um, uh, a lot of people have, have said that they enjoyed it and got some good value out of it. So um, one of the things in that book, like is a, is a little nugget that um, like something that I, I, I've used a lot, especially in community where it's, um, it's real, like it's in, it's around like patient satisfaction and just like customer service where a lot of times being a pharmacist behind the counter, you're like, when you're, when there's a problem with a particular prescription, there's a problem with a patient and you're behind a counter and the patient's on the other side, when they're looking at you, it's like, they're looking at like you and the pharmacy, like you guys are the machine, like, you know, making like whatever problem happen, happen. Right. Um, but there's like a, there's a tip that I think that works like tremendously, which is like removing that barrier. So obviously this is in the times before, you know, social distancing is the thing. Um, but it was like to go outside of the counter, like literally leave the pharmacy. Obviously if you feel safe with that patient, it's not, they're not combative, but going like outside of the pharmacy and then talking to the patient and then, and then it just like removing that barrier makes it seem like, okay, now it's you and the patient versus like the system that's going on over here. That's causing a problem. So um, like I have like a lot of different nuggets in there that just really help with like, making day-to-day -day things easier, um, working in a pharmacy and dealing with patients and the general public, so. I think, um, I think that's a really good tip um, that I never would have considered. Um, and also, I wanna just, um, I think a lot of us, a couple of us have class at one o'clock now that I'm looking at the schedule. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's probably best to be wrapping up now um, so people can have a chance to get into their Zoom meetings for their labs and stuff. Yeah, um, awesome. Thank you so much for deciding to meet with us. Uh, it's always fun talking to you, man, and always good information. Um, no problem at all. That was great. Thank you for, for organizing this and, and having me. So um, again, I appreciate everyone's time and I'm looking forward to connecting with everyone on social media. So David, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. We'll talk yeah. soon. Thank you. Have a good one. All right, you too. Bye.